welcome to episode 66 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by WorkLife Psych, a team of accredited and experienced workplace psychologists. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, I'm the Managing Director of WorkLife Psych, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host Pilar Orti. This time around, Pilar and I take an introductory look at the concept of asynchronous working, something that so many people working at home are experiencing right now. But before we dive into that conversation, a quick update on the webinar series hinted at last episode. We weren't quite ready to make it public, but now it's up and running. Worklife Webinars is a series of free 45-minute sessions covering a range of workplace topics from a psychological perspective. We have sessions on procrastination, productivity, and the role of values, for example. You can find all the details at worklifepsych.com webinars including links to reserve your place. We'll be adding more sessions to the schedule over time, so keep an eye out for updates. As ever, show notes for this episode and all our other episodes can be found at worklifepsych.com slash podcast. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or via the contact form on our website. Pilar, how are you? It's great to be back. Yes, I am. I am very well. The sun is out today, which does make a difference. Huge difference. I got out first thing for a morning walk while it was still really, really nice and sunny. It makes me think I would thrive in a nicer climate <laughs> <laughs> if I could start my day every day with a walk in the sun. Um, but you take the little things when you can, I guess. Yes. So... Um, we are going to talk today about a concept called asynchronous working, which is a great phrase. And I think I'll maybe start by, by explaining to our listeners why we're talking about this today. Big picture, um, we're still in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, which means millions of people around the world are working in their homes. And I think what a lot of us have seen, whether it's uh, in the mainstream news, whether it's in industry news or commentary, that people are writing about, you know, working from home or flexible working or location independent working and lots and lots of uh, similar but different concepts are being conflated. And actually, what many of us are doing is actually asynchronous working. But what Pilar and I do to create this podcast, along with our colleague Ross, um, who makes it sound good, <laughs> we work asynchronously. So what we thought we'd do is illustrate this concept with our way of working, not saying it's the best way, but it's one way of, of getting things done, and and maybe get a little bit more specific about these, these ways of working remotely asynchronously to give a little bit of insight to all of the people out there who are going through this right now. Yeah, and when we were speaking before the recording, we were saying how uh, to create this podcast. So this is the bulk of our work, of our creation is here behind the microphone, which is synchronous, real-time communication. Asynchronous for the listener, because <laughs> they, they're listening to us in non-real time. But all the communication that we do to create this is away from each other, and it's away from email also. 
we don't use email, you and I, uh, and Ross. Amazing. Which, yeah, I'm sure for some people it would blow <laughs> their mind. So just to uh, to give a little sneak peek into how we uh, talk online, we talk in Trello, which is a project management app, which you've mentioned before, we've talked about Um and of course, the tool is built for that. It's built for people to be able to communicate in non-real time. So I'm very glad that you were <laughs> that you wanted to look at this because I've seen so many people who are having a bad experience of waking, uh, working away from each other because most of the communication is being done in real time in meetings, and online mm-hmm. meetings are so tiring. And we can't be, they're, exhausted. they're really, yeah. I mean, health wise, they are terrible. However, if you're not used to communicating in any other way, that's not real time. How do you do it? Mm. Uh, and um, so shall we start with uh, uh, the, the context around this in the world of the distributed companies context, Richard? You, yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to take my lead from you today. This is really your wheelhouse, isn't it? Um, so, you know, the, the fact that people are replicating what they've done when they were in the office, when they're not in the office is proving to be a bit of a pain point. But some organizations have been doing this for a very long time, right? Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing uh, that some, especially companies that were born this way, that were either born without an office or that had an office and decided, you know what? Our, um, our employees are spread all over the world or all over one country, so we're not using it. Mm-hmm. And they've had to embrace asynchronous. One of the reasons why I think that's happened also when we talk about big, uh, big companies, and, I, and when I say big, I say high profile, like Basecamp, like Automatic, like Buffer a bit more recently, they were actually born at a, in a time when video conferencing was not that great. And when in fact it was not accessible at all. So they had to rely on non-real time communication. They had to communicate asynchronously. Uh, and it's really interesting to look at it now that uh, people who start to work remotely now have video conferencing as a tool because it's so accessible uh, and Wi-Fi allows us to take the calls from anywhere. But maybe 10 years ago, this wasn't a possibility. And so they had to decide uh, how to communicate in non-real time. Email was there, but it meant that email is quite a closed system because, Richard, if I send you an email, Ross doesn't see it. If I message you in Trello, Mm. Ross has access to that, so he also sees it. Uh, Mm. And I think at one point they decided, well, if we want to communicate as a company and if we want conversations to be open to anyone who wants to listen to it, then conversations uh, need to be open and, and email is not great for that. So it's very interesting, uh, Matt Mullenberg from Automatic, he's the founder, he came out recently, about two months ago, with an article of the five levels of remote work. And basically he says, you start as a company playing with remote work, like working from home one day a week, but you haven't really thought about how this is done. It's just one person says, oh, I'll work from home tomorrow. And, and that's a quiet day. All the way to the five stages that make you be able to work across the world, across time zones, with not much real-time interaction. So it's very interesting that he was saying people are still in very early stage due to the pandemic. And stage two, which is where most companies are, you are trying to replicate how you worked in the office, and that is usually meetings. Mm. I'm going to pause, Richard, (laughs) because I could go on all day. Uh, Yeah, any thoughts around that? 
I mean, that's a, that's a great introduction and overview to this and, and a little bit of backstory to, to this whole notion of asynchronous working. And I, I think it's useful to make that distinction, right, between businesses that started this way and businesses, organizations that are adapting to circumstance. And some of them may end up being totally um, asynchronous. The work will be asynchronous and people will, will not be co-located. Um, and some may revert to type as soon as they uh, start going back to the office and and yet not everyone can go back to work at the same time right and and it doesn't look like many organizations will have all hands in their office all the time at least for the foreseeable future so it looks like a big chunk of uh, the let's say traditional office-based employees uh, will at least regularly continue to work from home. So I think this is going to be a really key skill for people, especially if they want to continue having as much flexibility as they do now. And by that, I mean, working around core hours to deal with childcare and other other things that they'll need to develop an asynchronous working habit then. Yeah. And one of the main ways in which the asynchronous communication has been used is working across time zones. But as you've mentioned, it also gives us flexibility during our day. And I think mm. uh, it's been, this is something I started to hear when people were um, were under lockdown, under severe lockdown, and then the next phase where there was a bit more uh, mobility, where it was starting to be discussion of children going to school and stuff. And people were thinking, my day is going to be mad and it's going to be very different to everyone else's in the team. How am I going to manage this? So mm. moving our communication to a uh, time independent, we've talked about location independent, this is about time mm. independent, can help. So um, so I think that's the main thing is that it's, it's also a way of connecting that's not intrusive, I think, that, or tiring. So it's not also just about uh, staying aligned with the people you work with, uh, about you know, being productive because you can access the communication whenever it suits you, whenever you're ready for it. But also, it's also quite a nice way of connecting because I have to admit, Richard, that sometimes I've gone onto that Trello board to see what you and Ross were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't affect how I showed up for the recordings or if I was more prepared or not. But it helped me to feel connected to the people I was working with. Um, and I didn't have to wait to be with you or to talk to, to Ross, who, who I've never talked to through this podcast. So I think that's also something that as, um, this, as, as companies look at it, and as you say, maybe some people going back to the office, some, some not, it, it also provides a point of connection that's always there online for when people want to go to it. And this is is the double edged sword for me of um, tools like the one we're using now. I'm I'm right now sitting in front of my screen looking at Trello. I've got the show notes up here in front of me, and I know that I got a notification from this when you made uh, some some updates to it, and I knew that. But I also knew I didn't need to do anything about that immediately. Whereas if we were in a more traditional environment and I was emailing you, or you were emailing me, I might feel that I needed to see those emails, understand those emails, and respond to those emails pretty much immediately. And when we've got this, I can be in contact with it, 
I can see what's going on. I think that needs to be balanced with some self-management about, well, I can, but I don't need to right now. And that needs to be matched by understanding of the other people that I'm putting this out there, but I don't expect you to read it immediately. We have a way of working that says, I know you will read it at an appropriate time. Does, does what I'm saying make sense? Completely. And I think it's really yeah. important to be aware of that and be aware of the different personalities in the team because something that can happen when you've got lots of conversations happening in the open, uh, in non-real time that we have access to whenever, is that some people might feel like they want to read everything and that they're going to miss out on something. And that mm-hmm. can actually, that can end up in information overload and then it defeats the purpose. So, um I think very important to this, which is something we might not have had when we were working in the office together, is an agreement of how we're going to use these tools. And sometimes just that conversation is really interesting. So again, like Richard was saying, so how do I know if there's a message there for me? How do I know if I need to reply? How do I know by when I should be replying? So all of this needs to be agreed, just introducing a tool pretty much like we did with email (laughs) and then seeing Mm -hmm. how we use it as we've seen has led to problems. So I think it's, it is very double-edged. In fact, triple, <laughs> quarter, quadruple, quadruple-edged. So the, the, but the tool is great, right? But it, it, it doesn't solve a problem uh, unless it's used appropriately. And, y- you know, I could easily have got into bad habits with this if you hadn't role modeled a good way of using this and treated it like an email inbox. And, and in fact, my mind is going back to a few months ago where you, you, you were laughing slash thinking of me a bit sadly (laughs) when you messaged me and I was out for a run and I got a notification and I just dictated a message back and said I'm sorry it's short I'm I'm out for a run you're like why are you looking at this when you're out running and like well I'm pausing I'm taking a breather and I can and it doesn't bother me but if I got up out of bed to do the same thing in the middle of the night then I would wonder why I was doing it and you'd be quite right to to call me out on it. So as much as, you know, us agreeing how we're going to use things, it's about um, supporting and reinforcing those things as we go along and knowing when we need to take the conversation out of this tool and use another medium, um, dare I say, the phone or something like that. And the phone is what uh, has complicated matters, I think. I think it's where um, the phone, because we can carry it with us, because we check it from anywhere, because we don't have to open it and boot it to to Mm -hmm. look at something, it, it does mean that we are... There is that danger of always being connected. And if we like these tools, if we like to be connected, we've got to really be careful of that, that it doesn't, like you say, that it doesn't become a habit and that it starts to, and that we're always working because we're always communicating. So that's one, another danger of asynchronous Mm. um, communication. At the same time, I think what it does that it's quite nice is because most of the interactions are done in writing and somewhere that's open to most of our team members it starts to it's really helpful to onboard people onto them because people can almost have a look at conversations that have gone before so as well as the information that you might need you also have a little bit of an insight into people's personalities or at least people's personalities as they type. Because <laughs> um, that's another, another interesting thing is that some of these tools require writing and expressing ourselves in writing. So that might be another thing that we need to discuss if we're introducing them is how comfortable are people doing that? Uh, how comfortable are we communicating in writing and are there other ways 
that we could be doing this in non-real time. So where should we take this, uh, Richard? I, I think, I mean, one of the, the thoughts I had when we were preparing this was visualizing what people are doing right now mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of this kind of lockdown situation and before lots of office-based employees start to trickle back into the workplace to maybe think about how how might people start to introduce this way of working without a wholesale change, without a big, you know, disruption, but maybe could you could you introduce more of this to avoid the long hours, to avoid the always being on and, and have the label asynchronous on it? So I think the one of the things to think about is if we're going to start moving some of our communication to the asynchronous, non-real-time space, and this practically might mean using applications like Trello or Planner in Microsoft 365 or Slack or Microsoft Teams. And again, that's another conversation of how and when we can introduce that. Yeah, there's no shortage of apps. Yes, I mean, and 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 yeah, so there's, there's loads of, of that out there. But, but I think before we do that, we can say, okay, if we're going to move some of our communication in there, what are we going to use meetings for? What are those conversations that we absolutely must have in real time because they require a richness of communication, because they require a lot of to and fro? So what you don't want to be is like with emails, be stuck in an, in in messages that are just short. And, and when you start seeing things like, I didn't quite understand what you meant there, or I think there's been a misunderstanding, then it's time to drop that asynchronous communication and go into some real time. So I think if, mm-hmm. if we start mm-hmm. thinking of what we would use those meetings for, then I think we can start seeing what other communication we can move into the asynchronous space. Um, and the the easiest thing is anything that is about status reporting of tasks that uh, that some meetings are about. Well, I've done this and I've done that. Well, you can move that to somewhere else where you don't wait for the meeting to say where you're at with the task, where you don't need to wait for the meeting to know what your team members at what stage of the progress they're at. So those little things that don't involve much writing, but that have some mm-hmm. kind of visualization of where we are as a team. So Trello is great. Excel spreadsheets in the cloud are also mm-hmm. very, you know, Google Docs or Microsoft. Um, and, and again, that's a way of communicating where we are at without having to be in real time. And that that reminds me of the, you know, the the challenge that team leaders and managers might be facing now. And I've had this conversation a lot in the last three months, you know, in the office, I could see what people were doing. And now I'm at home. How do I see exactly what they're doing? Well, well, Pilar, I remember your excitement when I upgraded Trello and we had those more detailed lists, the checklists, because we could assign tasks to individuals and give them a due date and get really granular. That's a great example of who's working on what, where are they with it? I can see it all without picking up the phone, without sending a message, without sending an email, because if it's all on track, it's visually represented for me on the screen. Um, now, we need the skills to be able to do that well and, you know, break things down effectively. But if, if we're, we're going to create that culture of, of trust and 
having visual representations of our workflows and our progress, then that's going to remove the need for lots and lots of um, face-to-face time that's being eaten up at the moment with those very tiring video calls. Yeah, and the thing with this kind of work and with putting stuff out in the open and visible and, and, and being updated regularly is that if you are a manager that really wants, you know, or maybe the nature of the work does require that you are, that you have to make sure that things are being done because there's a difference between are people working and things are being done. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting to go more for are things being done. Um, it means that if you need to be checking up, you can be doing that without anyone feeling like you're breathing down their necks. And if you don't need to be doing that, then you just forget about it and come to it, you know, once a week or whatever, uh, or bring up, or, or you can have a look at it before the meeting and then just bring into the meeting the things that need to be discussed. So things that are overdue or if anyone has signaled they're having a problem. So I think it's a really beautiful way of balancing management styles so that it doesn't really affect the team members as much. And I, I've been looking at a few of these different platforms over the last week out of interest and also because there's been some developments in this space and all of the videos um, that I've seen demonstrating these tools, they, they always have an example of someone saying, um, you know, Hey, Mike, have you seen this? Are you okay with this? And then someone responding going, yeah, we're good to go. Great sign off. Let's do. And every time I see these, I think that's replaced a meeting. That's replaced at least two meetings. You know, just these, here's the thing. Are you okay with it? Yes, we're good to go. And, you know, okay, so they don't always represent them well because they look like they're happening in real time. But (laughs) even just being able to get that yes when you wake up in your time zone and to know, okay, I have sign off and I don't need to get into someone else's time zone to schedule FaceTime with them to have this really detailed conversation where I could have left information for them to understand in their time zone and they can leave a message for me that I can pick up another time. That That's the root of what we're talking about. Many tools, uh, many systems available to do it, but it's that comfort with, I know this will be picked up. I know I will get an answer. I have trust that it will continue while I sleep. Mm-hmm. And also you're t- just trying to talk about mindset. There's a couple of things that we need that we need to change uh, in how we think about work and collaboration. One we're already touching on that collaboration doesn't mean real time conversation always. That there's other ways, mm-hmm. but also that we can we can slow down the work a lot of the time. As in, you're talking already about, for example, making decisions or or well, I don't know if you uh, <laughs> if you mentioned that explicitly, but that's what came to mind. That's one. Mm, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I, in many teams, we've been thinking about how we make decisions as a team, as in we get in a meeting, we converse and we make a decision. And that was made, decided in a meeting. If you start to adopt this mode of communication, then you start to slow down. So the process of decision making might start earlier. It might start with the questions or passing on the information we need, giving ourselves a couple of days asking some questions in non-real time so that I can pose the question to you and you might be the kind of person that does need to think through or that needs to start writing to think it through. Then we bring it to the meeting at some point and then maybe there's another phase of decision-making. I mean, we're talking decisions that, of course, are not um, time-urgent and that can, can mm. you know, and that need a lot of input and thought. And I think that process, even if we don't use it all the time, just going through through that slows everything down. Uh, and I think that in this way, you can have 
better decisions and as in more inclusive decisions, as in decisions that are not about the first thing that comes to mind that we can all agree on, but that, you know, can go a little Mm. bit deeper. So I think when we start to adopt communication for which we don't require or expect an answer straight away, it can this is this is not evidence based, Richard and listeners, <laughs> but it could <laughs> slow down our thinking process. And for some people, that will be important. For others, no, they will thrive, and their decision, their thinking will be stimulated by being in a meeting with lots of people. But you know, then it means you can have a more equitable, I think, workforce. Yeah, I think there's a real theme coming out there about being a, a good fit and inclusive of people's different working styles and personalities, which is was really key. I just visualized a meeting there where, you know, loud people are making the decisions and reflective people are running out of time mm-hmm. to make their contribution because they're under time pressure in the room together. And um, you might have some loud voices um, just uh, having undue influence on the conversation, maybe. If everyone's had the chance to reflect, absolutely. I like that slow down point. I think that's really, really interesting for the non-time urgent stuff that, that accommodates lots of different working styles. And then there's another point about uh, asynchronous communication, which, I mean, we're always going to have some people who struggle with something uh, at work, uh, not just preferences, but also uh, the way in which we're built. So I was reading, for example, an article around how to make um, online meetings uh, better for people who are having problems hearing, because Mm. there's a lot of problems in that. And I read this article and it only talked about how we make the meetings better at that level. And I was thinking, well, how about async? If you do all your communication meetings, people who struggle with either uh, hearing or, or focus, you know, sometimes you have too much stimulus and it's really difficult to concentrate, or even with eyesight problems. All of that uh, starts, lots of problems can, can be, um, we might have discovered lots of problems during this time when we're having so many online meetings. So mm-hmm. taking where possible some of that communication into another form where it can, where some people might find it easier, is is also, I think, something to bear in mind. So it's much more inclusive, or it has the potential to be much more inclusive. Where um, some individuals, by by virtue of uh, a disability or um, personality, working style, even might it extend to things like gender and age, which are super visible in a room, but less so when people are contributing remotely and asynchronously. Mm. And talking of diversity and inclusivity, uh, we are ve- I think we're at a very early stage in technology, but we need to start thinking also about the fact that at the moment, asynchronous mainly means typing and word-based. So I think we need to start thinking about what other modes are there. So for example, if you were using a platform like, like Slack or Microsoft Teams, which is essentially which was built like a chat room, but please, it can be used asynchronously. <laughs> we just need some rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the tools have been built to be used in real time, but they work wonderfully. I mean, you and I, uh, the, apart from Trello, we also use Slack, Richard, and there's no expectation of immediate reply. Um, I live in fear of your messages, though. You know, <laughs> Oh, no, it's something now? from Pilar. What have I done wrong? <laughs> 
In fact, that's a good example because I apologized to you the other day. So I said, Oh, thank you. I, I spotted your, your thing about Google podcasts and I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. And you said, I had no expectation that you would. I hadn't uh, named you. I had just dropped that suggestion into Slack and it, it reminded me we need to be mindful of the tool and the intention. And I was, I was treating it like a text message or an yeah, email. Yeah. So because, because we haven't really had that uh, team agreement because there's only two of us, when you, when there's two or three of you, you can figure out as you go along how this works. But if mm. there's more people, you need to think to, and people will resist because they go, oh, it's just common sense or, oh, I've, I'm already in a Slack community or I've already used this kind of tool. It doesn't matter. Each group of people needs to agree how they're going to use it uh, as, as the beginning of the use and change it later if it's not working. Um, but going back to uh, to text, um, there's also, uh, we need to start thinking about asynchronous audio also. So for example, if we want to reduce the number of meetings, but want to keep that connectivity and that connection going, if our team is not too large, maybe an audio recording at the end of each week, just saying what we've done or, or what we've achieved or some thoughts could be a better way of reconnecting because we have all of mm. Friday to send that message. We have all of Friday to listen to stuff coming through. And for a team, that might be great. And it replaces having to be at 11 o'clock, everyone together at the same time, which might cause some people stress. Um, and also, if we're great sketches or if we think visually, then instead of typing for you know 20 lines, draw a sketch, take a picture, upload it to the platform. Or if you're using email because you don't have the platforms, then you know send it an email, whatever. Use email asynchronously as it was designed. So I think all of that, uh, we need to start being creative and treating the online space, especially the asynchronous online space, like something that has a lot of potential for us to express ourselves how we best want to or how we want to. And coming back to our very starting point in this discussion, the potential to accommodate uh, flexible working styles and arrangements, even within the same time zone that I think are necessarily going to emerge more and more um, as we go through the next phase on our journey back to normality, whatever that is, when people are not co-located, but they are working in the same time zone, getting more of a feeling for what is time dependent, what really does require live communication and what can be left and come back to and be really worked on asynchronously. Um, regardless of the tool you use, I think it's going to be very important so that it doesn't mean that people who are still working at home work extra long hours sort of being online while anyone else in their team is online. Um, so it, I, I, to put it another way, it's not as simple as buying a tool, no. right? Yeah. There's a whole, <laughs> oh, I've touched a nerve there, <laughs> but no, there's a, there's a whole piece to go with that around team uh, ways of working and mindset, as you said, and skills and agreements about communication. But I, I think this, this is a great time uh, for organizations to be exploring this and maybe going back to exploring how they use the many communications channels they have available to them already, how they use them to better effect with more clarity, with more impact. And you mentioned flexible working. Again, this is not just about being distributed or about working through time zones. Uh, if you have part-timers, this might be quite good for them not to feel like they're missing out often on stuff. Uh, if you are job sharing, 
wow, this would be great. <laughs> it's people, it's just the, yeah. the shift of information and conversations, um, all of that. Uh, one thing I would say is that a lot of this um, uh, means starting to work in a more transparent uh, way, for lack of a better word, because a lot of it is going to be in the open just because of the nature of, of teamwork and asynchronous. It doesn't always, of course, there's still room for lots of mm -hmm. private stuff. So I think it also, there needs to be a good culture fit. So again, understanding what is acceptable, what levels of trust there are in the organization, how vulnerable people are willing to be. Because if I have to put my to-do list online for everyone to see, even at the very basic level, uh, that, that is a level of vulnerability. It might be something I'm not used mm. to. If I'm being asked to have a conversation that, uh, for example, Richard, I would have just with you over email, but we've decided to make some of those conversations available to the whole team in case they're of interest to anyone else uh, and have them asynchronously, then again, that's another, am I comfortable with that? So I think, as you say, it is very complex and depending on how far we want to use it, uh, it, it we didn't need to look at that. We need to look at the, the culture of the company, the trust already there, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so one way of looking at this, it sounds like, is, is starting with that stuff and ending with the tool. Yes. And not starting with, hey, everyone, we've got this new asynchronous working tool. Now, let's start using it and figure out how it fits here. Yeah. Um, because, you know, even within teams, there's, you know, forget the organizational level, but even within teams, we can come to agreements about, you know, on time, off time. And people have been doing this for years in a very unofficial way formalizing that so that people have a good understanding and um, respect that now that more people, I think, have seen what it is like to try and work at home while other things are happening, um, it can only be a good thing, you know, to have, to have more of that and make it more formal, more agreed, more out there, and maybe not someone's guilty secret. So I think, I mean, this is probably as far as we want to go as a broad topic, because uh, the, the other thing to remember is that like with everything, there are many ways of doing this. Uh, and we might start to see more of this kind of content around asynchronous communication because distributed companies, the companies that have been working in this way for ages, think that this is their way. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're mm, asynchronous, mm. you're not remote. Uh, now we can start to blend a little bit because there's more different types of um, people working remotely. So now we can start to mix. Uh, what's really interesting looking at some of the guidance around how to work asynchronously is that the founders of companies who set up these systems like that way of working very much, like to be on their own, like to have a lot of time to think through. So again, as we're thinking through this, let's understand where that um, advice is coming from, I think. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's it's huge and small steps and just understanding that the reason we're doing it is because we cannot rely on being online with each other all the time. That is exhausting. So if we can move some of that to a time independent, we've got the location independent. I think people understand that now. I think we now need to move to the mindset of time independence is also good and we can make it work. And everything you've outlined there, because um, I've learned a lot just listening to you, it also speaks to productivity. I mean, if I'm on less, if I'm on fewer, excuse me, <laughs> Zoom 
calls every day, I'm actually doing the work that you're talking about on the call. <laughs> and I'm leaving the updates for people to see, and I'm leaving the, the, the breadcrumbs to illustrate what I'm doing. I'm not sitting on a call waiting for my five minutes of speaking um, out of 60 minutes. So, you know, thinking about what can be done this way, thinking about what must be done at the same time, and thinking about, and we've said this for years, but does this even need to be a meeting? Do we need to have a meeting about this or is it something we could manage online, collate some opinion from our team members and then make a decision? I mentioned in productivity, it could well be that on the road to finding another way of communicating online, whether the discussion is about what kind of communication should we move to non-real time or what tool, you need to talk about how you're working So you might well identify things you're doing or things in your communication workflow that actually you don't need to be doing. So I think it's also, it's always a great excuse to reflect on how we're working, our interactions as team members and seeing what we want to carry on doing and what we need to ditch. Fantastic food <laughs> for thought. Uh, my main takeaway from this, um, primarily listening to you, is... is, is um, Culture first, uh, apps last, um, and really having a good look at how things are done and discussing how things are done to make some kind of explicit agreements how we'll do things going forward. Great. Thank you. Um, Pilar, that was brilliant. And I know we're going to come back to this topic in the future. And I think that we'll read a lot more about people changing their ways of working um, across lots of different sectors, actually. Um, the, the, you know, how it's done is going to be different in different places. But listeners, if, if you do this already and you'd like to share some of your examples with us, we'd love to hear from you and get in touch on Twitter at mypocketpsych or send us a big long story, um, on the contact form at worklifepsych.com slash contact. If you've got questions, uh, I'm going to say questions for Pilar about this because this really is her, her expertise. Um, use the same channels, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you could point us in the direction of what you see as being great examples of this, again, and uh, we'll collate all of that and bring it to you in a, in a future episode. Any final words, Pilar, before we... Before we wrap up? Uh, no, I just, well, I, this is typical when you ask guests and they say, no, I don't have anything. And then they go on. That's exactly what Except. I've done. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I would add is that uh, there's a couple of articles that I would like to share with listeners. One is the one I talked about right at the beginning about um, the levels of remote work that teams or organizations mm. might go through. And the other one is a, like a hierarchy of asynchronous communication that I think will, um, yeah, will give a good overview for people who've never thought of this. but. That one, the one by Doist, it's heavily biased <laughs> to a certain kind of communication, but I think it's worth reading. I think for inspiration, these would be great yeah. jumping off points for people. So all of those things will be in the show notes. As ever, thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com slash contact. Thanks for listening.